Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. We are once again six feet apart. We have our <laughs> six foot friend laying down. Thanks for being here, friend. Yes, yeah, Stu. Thanks, bud. No problem. Yeah. Why is your voice so high? I think he's losing oxygen down on the floor <laughs> like that. We'll just be three hours. Yeah, and I'm sorry that I chose to wear a kilt today. <laughs> Matt, any updates from the uh, stay-at-home front? How are our Finest Work fans doing? Oh, I think everyone's hanging in there. They've got their year's supply of podcasts. The podcast. And then <laughs> you're welcome. And, and uh, ready made meals for their bunkers. And yeah, <laughs> everyone's hanging in there, I believe. Our neighbors on the next street over, there was a bunker built in their house. Really? Yeah, their house was built in like mid 50s. I mean, that was kind it of was bunker time. I wonder if they advertised bunkers in homes back then. I bet they did. A brand new bunker. Yeah. Just refurbished. With jars of lard that come with it. <laughs> but just jars of lard, like yeah. nothing else. Yeah. What am I supposed to do with all this lard? Well, you cook with it. But I don't have anything else to cook. Well, it's your fault. <laughs> Matt, I anticipated at this point that season two would be done. As we started back in January, you know, we thought we'd do kind of what we did first season, where we go for about four or five months and then take a break. Yep. So I figured we'd be busy traveling yep. for the summer and hitting the big summertime podcast festivals exactly like your niece <laughs> and uh you know the, the italian riviera doing the circuit doing the interview yeah. circuit but you know what people expect us to be yeah. doing matt and i talked the other day listeners and we wanted to keep providing some fun maybe even introducing some new music so we're gonna keep it going if you have any albums that you want to review, Matt, how can they reach us? What can they do? A few ways you can reach out to us. Email us at finestworksongs at gmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at finestworksongs or on our Facebook page as well. As always, we just appreciate the engagement from all the listeners. So Matt, what album is it that we are reviewing today? Yeah, today we are going to be talking about the Avid Brothers, I and Love and You. There was a dream. Matt, the Avett brothers are known for being very close, but they're not the closest brothers <laughs> North Carolina's ever known. Yeah, you know who wouldn't be able to do social distancing would be <laughs> Changning Bunker, <laughs> the original oh Siamese twins. We haven't talked about Changning in a while. No. Any updates? Nope, still dead. <laughs> okay. Yep. But yeah, Avett brothers are from North Carolina, so that's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Are they the most famous North Carolina band of recent years? That's probably kind of subjective. Actually, I would say J. Cole is yeah, more I mean, famous. Yeah, he's probably more famous. And there are probably others who have even had more, you know, quote-unquote hits. I mean, even someone like Scotty McCreary on a country oh, level has yeah. probably had more commercial success. Did you see that Jeff Wood photographed Scotty? I did not. Jeff was on our Octung Baby Epipod and is a professional photographer and did a job for an agency that was a shoot for Bojangles. Oh, yeah. And they had Scotty holding a guitar made of Bojangles boxes. Nice. <laughs> That's so on brand for everybody yeah. involved, especially Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's bow time. Back to your point. I mean, when you combine longevity, commercial success, and even critical success, the Ava brothers are pretty hard to top. For that combination. Although J. Cole's up there you know, as well, too. Yeah. They're probably the two, quote-unquote, most famous North Carolina musical acts currently, I yeah. would say. Rhapsody's on her way. She's mm -hmm. blowing up. 
And then way in like the distant past is probably, you know, technical difficulties. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they were still active, yeah. this conversation would be over. <laughs> Are you guys ever going to have a reunion? Never say never. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the Eagles did their Hell Freezes Over tour. So. Oh, gosh. It is kind of neat, though. You do have an affinity for artists that come from your state or from your area. Mm -hmm. That's not the only reason we're talking about the Avett Brothers, though. This is a really well put together, important album in their discography, and it sort of signaled a, a turning point in their trajectory. As always, we like to start with our memories of an album. So Matt, what is your memory of I and Loving You or the Avett Brothers in general? Even though I was in North Carolina and paying attention to music, I was probably a little late getting to them. I was in Charlotte for a, a conference and hitched a ride with a couple of coworkers of mine. And uh, I thought you were going to say, I hitched a ride and the Avett brothers <laughs> gave me a ride. And I played accordion on the next <laughs> album. But yeah, as we were driving back to Raleigh, Doug was like, hey, you know, my son gave me this album. He said, I'd, I'd like it. So he pops it in and it was, it was emotionalism. It was yeah. the album before. And it just jumped out at me. And for me, it was something that I, I never really listened to. Coming out of high school, I, I kind of turned my back on and thumbed my nose at country. Anything that even touched that genre, I kind of like, ah, eh, I don't care about that. You were running away from home. I was. You were trying to get as far away from mules Benson as I could. mule days. Exactly. <laughs> I like that this event that you mentioned in our first episode, <laughs> that's once a year. That I've actually never been to, by the way. Are you serious? Yeah, I've never been to it. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Yet. I really hope that this doesn't flare up so that we can go to mule days with our family. I'm really looking forward to it. Like you bring in picnics and uh -huh. also we're assuming that our wives are going to go <laughs> yeah, for that. <laughs> like, they like our kids are going to be like, we're doing what now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was pretty anti-country or anything in that orbit at that time. And so honestly, I missed a lot of like odd country stuff in its early years, yeah. particularly around here. Mm -hmm. So we're listening to emotionalism and I was immediately like a fan. Like once, mm -hmm. once I had that album, I just, I couldn't get enough of the Ava brothers went back and got the older uh, albums. And so I was fully on board when I'm loving you came out. What about you? During this time of staying at home, I don't know about you, but my family and I have been playing a lot of board games. Not every board game is fun. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's right. I remember growing up, <laughs> I stumbled upon a board game with my sister uh, after moving into an old mansion with my aunt because my parents died skiing. As we rolled the dice, crazy things started happening. A swarm of monkeys came out of nowhere, and we found out that this nightmare would only end when the game ended. And so we kept playing. And after I rolled a five, a lion came out as well as an adult male. <laughs> he had been trapped in this game for 25 years. When he initially played it, it was with a friend of his, this girl. After he disappeared into the game, the girl just ran away, never told anybody. So we went to find her, which I assumed was going to be for revenge. It was actually just to get her help in finishing the game. She actually made it worse. Hmm. Carnivorous vines appeared when, when she played. A whole stampede of animals came out. When we returned to the mansion, the whole thing had just turned into a jungle. Mm -hmm. And we had to fight our way through this nightmare until finally the guy that came out of the game rolled the dice and, and the game ended. The cool thing was is that everything that had happened as a result was reversed. So the guy and the girl went back to when they started playing the game. This guy didn't get trapped in the game. And he had the memory of our parents dying because we had told him that. And so years later, he meets and hires my dad. My parents don't die. 
Everybody literally lived happily ever after. Wow. I also found out that the guy trapped in the game was the father of Seth and Scott Avett. So <laughs> if he hadn't gotten out of that game and reversed everything, we wouldn't have had this album. There you have it. I think we should get a running tracker of like all your memories uh-huh. and see like which actor has been featured in the most. So I think Robin Williams is leading. Is he? Because you got Mrs. Doubtfire. Didn't you do Mrs. Doubtfire? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now Jumanji. No, but really... I remember the date of the first time I heard the Avett Brothers. Mm. It's July 16th, 2004. Okay. My friend Smitty stopped by my office and, and he had a CD for me. Mm-hmm. It was Carolina Jubilee. Mm-hmm. And he had said that our mutual friend, Bob Witchker, had gone to school with these guys. Maybe I should check it out. And oh, by the way, they're playing tonight. Smitty couldn't go. You know, he said, you might like it. And so I went to King's. This is the old King's, which is a venue that has been torn down since, but... It was the best venue, I think. Not necessarily the best sound or atmosphere, but it just had a real local vibe. And mm-hmm. But this night was a little different, and it didn't seem like the normal King's local crowd. Mm-hmm. There were so many people there. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was sold out, because obviously I just went that night, yeah. but it was packed. Mm-hmm. And so I knew nothing about these guys. I just heard them five hours yeah. earlier or something. And they came on, and they started with either Smoke in Our Lights or Swept Away. And I think it was Smoke in Our mm-hmm. Lights. And the reason I know that is because... As they started playing, Scott Avett, who plays banjo, Mm -hmm. started singing. And then when they went to the second verse, Seth Avett, who plays guitar, Mm -hmm. started singing. And I was floored because it sounded exactly the same. And it's not that way anymore. Right. You know, you can tell a difference when you listen to them. But Mm -hmm. back then and at that moment, it just, it floored me. And that was my first experience with what they would call blood harmony. The phenomenon when people born in the same family, usually close together, Mm -hmm. have a very similar timbre and tone yep. to their voice. Matt, you turned me on to the podcast, Cocaine and Rhinestones, mm-hmm. which is a great podcast, y'all. You should listen to it. It talks about the history of country music and tells some really fascinating and crazy stories. And this podcast has an episode on the Leuven Brothers. The worst I totally got this from that episode. You should go listen to that whole episode, but it's worth sharing here. This song starts with one of the Leuven Brothers singing the verse. Moving to the chorus, the other brother picks up the melody. And it sounds like the exact same brother singing. Mm-hmm. That's what I experienced that night watching the Avid Brothers. From the get-go, I was just floored by these guys. Mm-hmm. They're breaking strings every song. They are stomping around, pouring sweat, but at the same time, there's a sincerity and a confidence to what they're doing and, mm-hmm. and a seriousness. It seems yeah. like they really take this seriously. At that show, was it the three of them? This is, I think, like two weeks before Minionette came out and before Joe Kwan was a part of the band. Okay. So it was just the three of them. Yeah, the kick drum on stage. And yeah. So even doing that, I thought was really cool. It was clear that they had more energy that they wanted to bring Mm -hmm. than these instruments could provide. So they needed a drum. Yeah, I think we joked about it before, about every folk rock band today has a kick drum. Yeah. To me, they were the first ones that I saw doing it. Not just doing it for novelty, but doing it, like you said, because this this song would be great if we had some percussion to it. There's just three of us. We'll, We'll figure out something. And it's not... Hokey. I wouldn't say that it's just the Avert Brothers that started it, but right. you don't have Mumford and Sons without them. You don't have all the folk movement that mm-hmm. came after that without them. I remember um, there was a great band called Kickin' Grass, mm-hmm. bluegrass band around here. The woman Linda from that, I remember asking her about 
the Avett brothers. You know, she remembers being in Nashville at some bluegrass convention and they set up in the lobby. She said that everybody was just kind of floored by them because mm-hmm. what they do is so different. Right. It was so powerful. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of times bluegrass isn't known for power. Right. It's known for skill and dexterity yeah. and the harmony. Sometimes speed. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. They grew up playing like hardcore and punk and mm-hmm. rock. And so they're bringing that ethos, that mm-hmm. DIY and that intensity. I don't know who was doing it before them mm-hmm. or where they got their influences, but it certainly is a mixture of genres that they've put together. And you talk about like pouring it all out on stage and, and you know, just this passion for it. I'm guilty of this too, of like, sometimes we throw the word earnest around yeah. mm-hmm. as a pejorative. I think in their case, they are extremely earnest about what they do yeah, and not in the pejorative way because they can go from like a super fast, loud mm-hmm. song where they're breaking guitar strings to a ballad that brings tears to your eyes. Yeah. Like the next song. Not a lot of people can pull that off. So let's get started. This is, I believe, their sixth studio album. First major label. Their first one with Rick Rubin. And it starts with the title track of the album, which is I and Love and You. car and write the note grab your bag and grab your coat tell the ones that need to know we are headed north one foot in one foot back but it don't pay like that So I cut the ties and I jump the tracks For never to return Oh Brooklyn, Brooklyn Take me in Are you aware the shape I'm in My hands they shake my I'm not usually someone who likes sort of slow build-up songs mm-hmm. to start an album because I want to kind of get right into it. And But I feel like you couldn't have this album any other way than with this song starting it. And it is a bold beginning. For a band that was building up a pretty loyal fan base, yeah. a band known for breaking things and loud mm-hmm. banjos and guitars, to have a piano-centered song, a slow song like that, 
pretty brazen to do that. You wonder the impact that Rick Rubin had. One thing I like about his productions is the simplicity mm-hmm. and the organic approach that he takes. I don't know if it was a podcast or a TV show where he's talking about Tom Petty. They're discussing the difference between Wildflowers, which Rick Rubin produced, and Full Moon Fever, which Jeff Lynn produced. And Full Moon Fever is way more produced. Yeah. It's much more tight, click track and everything. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Wildflowers, it lets the songs breathe, in my opinion, is, mm-hmm. is just the organic feel to it. It's yeah. got a very loose feel. As a producer, I think he had the ability to take things, simplify them, which, in my opinion, is always great in the studio mm-hmm. and find the heart of it. And you feel that immediately. You feel the heart in all of these songs, especially with this one. I think you're right in that he lets the songs breathe a little bit. I mean, I think giving some time and space to not just build layer after layer on top of these songs. And they could have easily gone into the studio and doubled down. Like, this is going to be the most folk stomp rock album you've ever heard. And we're going to take that live energy and we're just going to put it all over mm-hmm. the track. They could have just piled on banjo after banjo yeah. and strings and everything mm-hmm. and just tried to do wall of sound. Instead, it showcases the fact that they are incredible songwriters, both in lyrics and melody, and that they're true musicians. It's not a gimmick. Even with the first two verses of this, you start to hear the difference between Scott and Seth's voices. Yeah. They start to own their own voices, and you can really hear it. When it says that woman, she's got eyes that shine mm-hmm. like a pair of stolen polished dimes up until about a week ago i thought it was like a pair of stolen polish dimes <laughs> i had the same thought really yeah. okay i was always wondering like man can we still say that are we still making polack jokes <laughs> <laughs> i just thought i was like what's the exchange rate because if i'm stealing dimes they better be worth something yeah right polish dimes are worth a block of gold here in the united states <laughs> also i tried that on my wife baby your eyes look like a pair of stolen polish dimes and it didn't work <laughs> You slept on the couch that night. Yeah, that's right. In the doghouse. Remember that, like the 50s, they would always talk about the guy sleeping in the doghouse? That had to come from something. Yeah, that means literally... Someone was sleeping in a doghouse. Yeah. I'm so mad at you. Fine, I'll sleep on the couch. No, no, no. You're not even in this house. I bet it relates to back then. The guy would be out Don Draper style with the boys drinking until late hours, and then she would lock the door. Did he not have keys? And then he had to sleep in the doghouse? Baby, let me in, baby. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Curls up with the dog in the doghouse, still wearing his suit. Cause yeah, Because every, everyone right. wore suits yep. all the time. Also, I don't think I've ever seen a dog actually occupy a doghouse. We had a doghouse when we were growing up, and our dog would never go in it. No, that's what I'm saying. My dog, her name was Honey. And she was essentially like a neighborhood dog. I look back now and I'm like, man, we were irresponsible. <laughs> like, but you know, it was one of those things where we would, you know, the neighbors down the street would call and say, hey, just letting you know, honey just came by and we gave her some chicken bones or, yeah, or whatever. Yep. And she would just kind of roam the neighborhood and come back and we'd feed her and yeah. you know, she'd hang People out with like, us. There's honey. There's honey. I mean, everybody knew honey. But yeah, we had, we had a dog house for a while, which I guess that was like our attempt at like giving her a place to be during the day. But like. Yeah. I mean, she would come and go. She slept inside. In hindsight, it seems like that did not make any sense to have a doghouse for her. Well, I mean, even Snoopy, he had a doghouse and he wouldn't go in it. Yeah, he slept on top of it. Yeah. Which is way more uncomfortable. <laughs> right. Also kind of impressive. I, I still sometimes roll out of bed when I'm sleeping. <laughs> so. And it's not even like a crested point. <laughs> right. I wonder what the Avery brothers, how they decide which verses they'll sing. It comes down to which brother writes which lyrics or is it just all pure you know, feel like, oh, this feels like something you would see. But even then, I noticed that Bob Crawford wrote Swept Away. 
Oh, he did? Yeah. Wow. Beautiful song. And so it's not even just the Aver Brothers that have the talent. Right. He's the bassist, has been with them almost since the beginning. But mm-hmm. where they started out as a trio, it was with Bob in the background. Bob also has a great podcast called The Road to Now. One of my favorite non-Finest Work Songs podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Careful. You got to be a company man in these oh, parts. Man, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm Finest Work Songs first and always. <laughs> Next track on the album is January Wedding. She's talking to me with her voice down so low I barely hear her. But I know what she's saying. I understand because my heart and hers are the same. she's sick is that, is that why they're getting married in january that's one theory that's out there because oh, she's sick like audrey hepburn does that mean she's totally hot <laughs> that girl's sick bro yeah <laughs> bruh <laughs> she's sick oh i'm sorry but no man no, no, she's no. like sick like audrey hepburn oh she has cancer <laughs> no nah, man she's sick <laughs> i don't understand what you're saying bruh <laughs> bruh do your kids listen to perry grip Perry grip? Yeah, parents stay away. Okay. It's like a disease that once it came into the house, you can't get rid of it. And he's got these weird songs like Narwhal Eating a Bagel. Yeah. And it just sings Narwhal Eating a Bagel. Over and over. Yeah. And he's got a song called Last Train to Awesome Town. This song, they've got this part that says, Dude, bro, this party is sick. Dude, bro, this party is sick. And then he goes, Bro, this party has like five different types of nachos. Five different types of nachos. That's crazy. And they're like, five different nachos. Five different nachos. <laughs> and so anyway, I always think about these bros getting really excited. About so nachos. There were a lot of bros into the Avid Brothers. Yeah. I think that was because their ladies loved yeah. the Avid Brothers. Yeah. There were a lot of girls at the shows yeah. that I used to go to. I mean, they're good looking dudes. Right. And then they're singing songs called January Wedding. Oh, yeah. Do their credit. <laughs> I mean, even like the lyrics are beautiful. And, and yeah. deep and have lots of meaning. And right. We went to one of the uh, the New Year's Eve shows oh, here nice. in Raleigh a couple yeah. of years ago and took the kids. It was like for our three kids, like mm-hmm. first like real concert. They were troopers. I mean, they stayed up the whole time. Wow. I won't embarrass which daughter it was, but one of my daughters kept like, kind of looking up at her mom. You could tell like she thinks Scott's like handsome. That is part of the appeal. I think they're handsome guys. Yeah. Passionate, great musicians, great songwriters. Talk about a triple threat, man. These guys have yeah. it all. Seth and his wife did get married in January, so maybe that's oh, what it refers to. Go. January wedding. That's a terrible time for a wedding. Well, I will say my niece got married this January. Doesn't make it any less terrible of a time. <laughs> Not my niece. I'll still stick to my statement. <laughs> uh, and it was a beautiful wedding. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Nobody's trying yeah. to buy wedding gifts in January. You're paying off your credit card from December. <laughs> Yeah. I'll say all the things that you want to say. No, I would never think those things. I would never say that. I'm happy for Meredith and Ross.
reading this Hitchfork review with this song, they referenced the jaunty piano theme, which yeah. that makes sense. Said they, they tried for Wilco, but achieved Guster. So Ouch. as a Guster fan, yeah. what's your thought on, on that? A website like Pitchfork is not going to be fans of Guster because they're too snobby. Right. So I think they take it as eye-rolling, sophomore. Mm-hmm. Good uh, try. Yeah, good yeah. try. I see their insults, but for me, it's <laughs> whatever snobs. <laughs> <laughs> right. I saw in Austin City Limits, the Abbott Brothers played the song, and Scott's back there on the piano doing his thing. So you've got the lead singer, arguably, of the band, back there on the piano while the other guy takes it. The yeah. ability they have to switch things around. And then Seth goes out into the crowd at the end of it. They extend the song. They're jamming out on stage while mm-hmm. he's playing this dirty indie rock solo. Yeah, yeah. So it's not even like this pretty little poppy solo. Yeah, yeah. He's just wailing on mm-hmm. the guitar. At the end of the song, he takes a pick and hands it up to a girl on her dad's shoulders. That's the Avid Brothers. Yeah, you right. know, you've got families there. Mm-hmm. They're playing this pop song. He plays this really dirty solo. Right. They just blend all of these things together. Yeah. For me, this song is the Yellow Submarine for them. It's my introduction of my daughters to the Avid Brothers. Picture them Yeah, from an early age, this song is on the little playlist that I have for them. That's a good introduction. I could see that analogy to Yellow Submarine. Yeah. And it's, it's catchy. It's poppy. That's how you get your kids into the Beatles. You start yeah. with Yellow Submarine. Yeah. And even if you don't start with that, they'll start with that. Because yeah. when it comes on, they're going to love oh, yeah. it. My kids love Yellow Submarine. Going back to the same Pitchfork review for what it's worth. Along those lines, they say, every instrument sounds perfectly placed. And that's a shame because the Avids got more mileage out of their rough edges than most bands. Is that person a, I miss the old Avid brothers? Yeah. That's generally the gist of, of what this review is. And most music critics yeah. do that. They're right. just there to tell you why these people have done it wrong. It's that conundrum of either you're a, a music critic and you're trying to explain why they've sold out or you're the fan, the long suffering fan mm-hmm. who has this pulling of their heart of uh, I want them to be successful, right? but I also want them to be my band. Yeah. I think fans are more forgiving of, of that sort of stuff than music critics usually are. I think fans are generally looking for, is the heart still there? I think the people who are Avid fans up to this point love the heartfelt lyrics, the relatability, and that gets accentuated. True fans, I think, would have been more upset if this had become a big show. Mm-hmm. Like we said before, this bluegrass wall of sound, mm-hmm. I feel like people would have been really turned off. But I'll hand it to Rick Rubin, man. He captured the heart. I also feel like with this album, this is their way of saying, this is a coming out party. We're employing all the techniques and all the skills we've, we've used up to this point. But we're also opening our arms out and inviting more people to come in to experience us. And there's a fine line there because you, know, you could argue that at, at that point, you're, and what you're describing there is someone who's selling out. They're trying to cast a wider net. Every fan, if your band grows, you have to go through that. Mm-hmm. And I think I would say that the Avid Brothers have done it as well as anybody, mm-hmm. is get to a bigger stage and remain true to who they are. Right. Next song is Laundry Room. Don't push me out Just a little longer Stole your mother Disregard your father's words Close the laundry door 
tiptoe across the floor Keep your clothes on I've got all that I can take Teach me how to use the love that people say you your parents car I just saw a shooting star we can wish upon it we won't share the wish we made but I can't keep no secrets I wish that you as a father of daughters, I'm not sure I'm into disregard your father's yeah, words right. and close the laundry door and tiptoe across the floor. Although I do appreciate he says, keep your clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such a gentleman. I get the feeling this is like teenage love. They're definitely teenagers because it's stop your parents' car. Yeah. I just saw a shooting star. Right. Or if he is adults, then he's a loser. <laughs> He's probably living at home. Yeah. Hey, can you come pick me up with your parents' car? <laughs> I'll buy you some beer. Yeah. <laughs> She's a teenager. He's older. <laughs> We've just ruined the mysticism of the Even Brothers. Sorry, ladies. This song's about a deadbeat. Yeah. But you know, the, the line about last night, I, I burnt the lyrics. Every chorus was your name. I wrote a bunch of songs. <laughs> oh, really? Can I hear them? No, I'm going to burn the lyrics. Every chorus <laughs> was just your name. Oh. No. <laughs> Meanwhile, the other guys are like, you're not a very good songwriter. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for me, this is this is my favorite song on this album. Probably one of my top five Avett Brothers songs. It's the one I'm going to take off. Yep. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> it has all of the elements, I think, of what makes the Avett Brothers so special. Yeah. It's got the beautiful melodies, the harmonies. You've got even imperfect parts where... Scott sings that, that second almost quietly in the background and not even necessarily on rhythm. You know, teach me how to use the love that people say you made. Teach me how to use the love that people say you made. And it's not perfect. It's not formulaic. It sort of harkens to them having those rough edges. And then, then you get a nice little bluegrass jam at the end of it to kind of pull it all together in a nice little Ava Brothers package. It's a nice reminder of that foundation of their band being bluegrass and not just folk. It's a nice almost nod to those loyal fans who are maybe up to this point in the album are kind of like, oh, this sounds really different than what I'm used to of them. Then you get to that and you're like, okay, there it is. That's what drew me to them years ago. Next song we're going to cover is Tin Man. Feeling, a feeling, the wind upon my face, and can. 
Right there when we stop, that's when Scott comes in. Mm-hmm. You wonder if they're trying to portray with that build up there that the Tin Man is frozen up, mm. that he's gotten to the point of getting stuck like they do in Wizard of Oz. Oh, interesting. I, I hadn't thought about that. When he comes in, it feels a little bit like a narrative. Yeah, yeah. Like the narrator. Yeah. Or maybe he's the cowardly lion. Yeah. Well, actually, he is the scarecrow. And the reason I know that is go ahead and Google Avid Brothers, Wizard of Oz. They dressed up as the Wizard of Oz characters. Oh, okay. But check it out. It's amazing. And so Scott's the Scarecrow? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I see and, that. Um, the violinist is Dorothy. Yep. She's got a great look for Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Bob Crawford plays the lion, so that's perfect. And then we haven't yet talked about Joe Kwan. Right. But he plays the Wicked Witch because he's got this long black hair. That's you amazing. Know? Yeah, they did an incredible job. I wish I could have been at that show. I mean, the, the outfits are like impeccable. But yeah, Joe Kwan. Let's talk about Joe Kwan. Fourth Beatle. Your neighbor. Former neighbor. Uh, did he move? They moved to uh, California. His wife got a job out there. Nowadays, it's hard to think about the Ava brothers without Joe Kwan. Yeah. There are still times where you think, is he a full member of the band? Is he not? Yeah. I think their most recent album, I feel like it's still Bob. Seth yeah, and, and some of the videos too. That might be more intentional on his part. I mean, they all have lots of outside interests. We talked about Bob and his podcast, and I think he even was getting his master's. Scott's, I think he farms on the side. Well, and Seth is an artist. He showed at the North Carolina Museum of Art. Joe is this incredible foodie who is deeply passionate about and invests in restaurants and local food and loves cooking. I mean, when they built their house in Raleigh, it was 2,000 square feet and 1,400 of it was kitchen. Yeah. I mean, like, (laughs) he he cares about that kind of stuff. The oven doubles Uh, as a bunk bed. Right, right. He's not just the guy who adds a little bit of cello here. At first, I thought he was. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of adding a cello. I thought, why? Right, right. But then when you see the direction they go with yeah. a lot of these ballads and their growth as musicians, mm-hmm. they have to have a cellist. Because a lot of these ballads in the beginning, if you don't have that cello, you have nothing that's flowing to keep it going. Mm-hmm. There's not that thread through it. But yeah, you know, he's also, you never would think to say that cellist brings so much energy to the band, but he does. He's jumping around more than anybody. And you wouldn't think that it'd be possible with a cello but he's got that thing strapped around his neck he's quickly a fan favorite you know people people love joe and Mm -hmm. even like a song going back to you know laundry room that song is to me nowhere near as powerful without a cello i agree to me that makes that song one of their themes is emotional ineptitude and that's through all of their albums yeah emotionalism is the name of right. one of their albums <laughs> yeah. you know exactly. it's like extreme emotions and everything i could see you know a conversation of like who would be someone with like absolute least amount of emotion like well you have to be someone without a heart yeah oh, well who didn't oh. have a heart yeah oh, tin man also i'm gonna dress up as i'm on halloween <laughs> oh boy <laughs> you guys can dress up as things too <laughs> joe you're the witch <laughs> yeah why well, it's gotta be the witch <laughs> For someone who can't really feel things, 
he really has a lot of sensitivity to be able to <laughs> write poetry about oh, not man. feeling anything. <laughs> the only thing that would have been funnier for that Halloween show is if they made someone dress up like Toto. So it's just oh, this, big, yeah. this big lumbering, <laughs> supposed to be a dog. If <laughs> Bob had been Toto and they had a huge lunch basket. <laughs> a big giant bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got to play bass while he's sitting in a basket. It could have been the line. This is much funnier. <laughs> Stay in the basket. That is a cool fan thing, though, a gift to the fans to dress up on Halloween mm-hmm. is that, you know, people freaked out over that. Oh, yeah. All right. Next song that we're going to cover is Slight Figure of Speech. They say you got to lose a couple fights to win. It's hard to tell from where I'm sitting. They say that this is where the fun begins. I guess it's time that I was quitting. They are really going after their critics, mm-hmm. the people who are accusing them of selling out. And it's so upfront. Mm-hmm. They say, don't take your business to the big time. I bought us tickets there. And then when they do the rap, even he's saying, what did you expect? And what did you forget? Are you to assess what I've been, what I am or become going from that local fan feel and building your way up when you make this leap? Yeah. I'm sure you have to deal with a lot of people giving them flack. People feel like they're turning their back on their roots. And when people feel that way, it feels like they're turning their back on them personally. That's where that angst and that anxiety comes from. And I'm guessing if you're the artist, you're thinking, don't put that on me. Yeah. I didn't sign up for that. There's something sort of innocent about the line, a jet plane and a big idea. Yeah. Who, who says jet plane? Anymore? <laughs> right. You know, right. So to me, that's very much something that someone who is blue collar coming up from nothing. That's their dream. Yeah. Is to get on a jet oh, plane. Get on a jet plane. You getting on one of them fancy jet planes you get on them jet planes you don't come back the same where would you place me in north carolina with that brand of dialect that'd be like the rolling hills area okay that's what i think finest work fans if you are not familiar within north carolina there's a ton of different oh yeah dialects which if you want to hear one of my favorites you can go back and listen to the feist episode yeah Chris Harrell's accent is very unique, Mm -hmm. and that shows you the different flavors that we can get. Mm -hmm. So I'd be in the Rolling Hills. Matt, you'd be Husky Dunn. Husky Dunn. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting that on my tombstone. I've lived here for 20 years. It probably took me at least 10 years to be able to really start to pick out different dialects. dialects. It's probably one of the most dialect-rich places in the country. Yep. As we're closing out, like always, we have a challenge ahead mm-hmm. to uh, see if we can remove a song from this album. So let's say that uh, one of the Avett brothers shows up at your door and is about to start singing to one of your daughters if, <laughs> if you don't remove a song <laughs> oh, off the album. Because as we know, with their powers, there's no hope. Their powers of persuasion. Yeah. I went back and forth on this one between it goes on and on because I've kind of feel like it does go on and on <laughs> um, but i would remove the last one incomplete and insecure i hadn't finished the thing since i started my life i don't feel much like starting now walking out lonely has worked like a charm i'm the only one i have to let down but watching you 
There's so much emotional depth and discussion and introspection in this album. By the time you get to It Goes On and On, it's mm-hmm. a little bit of a nice, lighter kind of wrap-up to this album. Incomplete and Insecure is just a little bit too much more. We yeah. get the point. We get it. We get it. We get it. <laughs> For me, the one I would take off is And It Spread. It's the typical Avit banjo energy tune, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It just feels kind of weak to me. The chorus, when they sing the, and it spread over and over again, mm-hmm. didn't love it. But again, this is a masterful album. Mm-hmm. They explore the heart even more, start to master the ballad, but they keep those bluegrass elements. Mm-hmm. They keep their energetic, hardcore punk roots. They're yelling on songs, and they really start to explore the production and songwriting process in a way that leads them to great albums after this. This is the pivotal jumping off point in their catalog and in their career. It's a nice foot in the past of what they were and everything that's led up to this point. But it's also really gives you a good indication of where they're going from here. If you're going to introduce someone to the Ava Brothers now, this would probably be the album I would start with. We'll be back soon with another Epipod. We'll see you guys online on our social media accounts at Finest Work Songs. And we hope that you are staying safe in these times. So until then, we hope you stay Stay safe, safe, wash wash your hands, hands, wear a mask, mask, and and keep on on keeping on. on. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. They're on Facebook at Medium Heat Music.